Nine of Tet of Tzadik, his conversations, four ninety one. We followed these fasts for two years. Then, when the Rebbe came back from Lemberg, he told us not to fast at all. He said, "Anyone who does not come to me for Rosh Hashanah should certainly not fast at all, and whoever does spend Rosh Hashanah with me certainly has no need to fast at all after having had Rosh Hashanah with me." He then said, You do not feel what is being done with you at all. First I told you to fast. Then afterwards I told you not to fast, etc. In other words, this in itself should have given us a little understanding of his greatness. The fact of his having given us instructions to fast on specific days during the year, with each one having his own personal scheme of fast days, was in itself without doubt a great achievement. It was something unheard of in previous times that someone should be able to tell each person the scheme of fasts he should follow all through his life, in the minutest detail. Yet, as great as this was, the Rebbe later achieved an even higher level. Because of the heights he attained thereafter, there was no longer any need for us to observe even the fasts he had revealed to us previously. Anyone with a brain in his head should be able to understand a little of the Rebbe's greatness through this. The days on which I was to fast were the 3rd and 19th of Tevet, the 2nd and 16th of Iyar, the 9th and 11th of Sivan, and the 22nd of Adar. He said that if one of the dates he gave us fell on a Shabbat or any other day when fasting is not permitted, the fast was to be postponed to the following day. The Rebbe told me to be especially careful about the mitzvah of Ma'aser, the charity tithe, during the months I had to fast and to make every possible effort with it. I also spoke to him about this mitzvah after he exempted me from the fasts, and he told me that I should still make every effort to observe it scrupulously. I was told to do this throughout the year, only in these months even more so. Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom His Wisdom 232 This same man told me that he wanted to speak to the Rebbe many times, but could not open his mouth when he was with him. He found it impossible to tell the Rebbe what was in his heart. One Friday afternoon, when he was attending the Rebbe, he decided that he would speak to the Rebbe right away, but was unable to open his mouth. As the Rebbe was dressing after his bath, he asked the man to pass him his shoes. As the man handed over the shoes, the Rebbe said, Make a habit of speaking to God, then you will also be able to speak to me. The man followed this advice and was able to speak to the Rebbe. However, he still found it very difficult to express himself. The Rebbe said, A warrior girded his loins to overcome a mighty wall. When he came to the gate, he found it blocked by a spider web. Can you imagine anything more foolish than retreating because of a spider web blocking your path? The parallel is obvious. He said, The main thing is speech. Use it, and you will win every battle. You can meditate in thought, but the most important thing is to express it in speech. This parallel teaches a most important lesson. You may find it difficult to speak with God. You might also find it difficult to speak to a true tzaddik. This difficulty is great foolishness. It is mere laziness and bashfulness and a lack of virtuous boldness. 
You are ready to use your speech to overcome the great battle against the evil within you. You are on the verge of victory and are about to break down walls with your words. The gates are ready to fly open. Should you then not speak because of mere bashfulness? Should you hold back because of a minor barrier like this? You are about to break down a wall. Will you be discouraged by a spider web? This same man told me that the Rebbe prescribed that he spend two hours each day in secluded prayer. For an hour, he was to meditate and prepare himself to speak. When his heart was awakened, he should then speak to God for the another alphabet hour. Book. Distancing the Wicked A. 1. The tzaddik brings a blessing when he enters the house of a wicked person, but only if the house is suitable for a blessing. 2. Keep away from the wicked so that you won't be caught up in their punishment. 3. Showing a bit of friendliness to the wicked is permitted in order to avoid hostility. 4. There are certain times when doing something good for a totally wicked person pleases God. 5. It is forbidden to praise the wicked. However, when such praise also reflects positively upon the tzaddik, limited praise is permissible. 6. One who finds good in the wicked is also called wicked. 7. We do not rely on a wicked person, even if he has done something properly and in accordance with Torah law. 8. Whoever stands as a guarantor for a wicked person succumbs to lustful it's desires and sickness. 2. Lesson number 5. 17. Fasting brings a person to joy. And the level of joy that a person attains is commensurate with the number of days he fasts. Now, the main rectification of dreams is through joy. This is the reason why we fast over bad dreams. Shulchan Aruch Arachayim 2.22 Namely, in order to elicit joy, which is the primary rectification for a dream. Therefore, a person who does not wish to fast over his dream is told by those involved in rectifying his dream Go eat your bread in joy, Ecclesiastes 9.7, because joy is the main rectification for dreams. 18. Each person must cast aside all of his sophisticated ideas and serve God in simplicity and innocence. For a person's deeds should be greater than his wisdom, Avot 3.9, and study is not the main thing but action, Avot 1.17. Now it goes without saying, that one should discard the so-called wisdom of your average person, which is actually foolishness and stupidity. Certainly one should reject this totally. But even regarding real wisdom, and even for a person who has a truly high-caliber mind, when it comes to performing a religious devotion, a person must cast aside all of his wisdom and engage in the service of God with simplicity and innocence. He must even act in a way and do things that look crazy for the sake of serving God, because sometimes it is necessary to do things that look crazy in order to do God's will. A person has to be willing to roll around in all kinds of mud and muck for the service of God and for his mitzvot. And this does not apply only to explicit mitzvot. Anything at all that God wants us to do is also called a mitzvah and a person has to be willing to roll around in all kinds of mud and muck in order to do God's will and to please Him. When a person's love for God is this strong, he is then like a deeply cherished and beloved son to God. Then God has compassion on him, 
and he allows him to look through the deepest hidden treasuries of the king, until he merits that the answer to the question of why the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper is revealed to him. Then he is worthy of grasping the Torah's secrets, and of elevating the judgment that has fallen to the abbess, and of rectifying that judgment. Lesson number six, through a good sweat. One, when a person perspires in the course of performing a holy act, he thereby attains joy, and he also Rabbi attains Nachman's healing. Stories, the horse and the pump. He brought the horse elsewhere, and people were ready to give him twice his original price. He said to himself, most probably, it is worth more than twice this amount. He kept bringing the horse further and further, until its price was in the thousands. He still would not agree to sell it to anyone, no matter how much he was offered. He always said, most probably, it's worth twice as much. Finally, he could not find anyone who could afford it other than the king. When he brought the horse to the king, the king offered him a huge sum of money for it. Everyone agreed that it was a very fine horse. However, he could not come to an agreement with the king, since he said, most probably it is worth even more. Thus, even the king could not buy the horse from him. He left the king and brought the horse to a pump to give it water. The horse immediately jumped into the pump and vanished. Of course, this was only an illusion made by the Leitzim. The entire horse was such an illusion, and they made the horse appear to jump into the pump. The man began to scream because of what had happened, and people heard the screams and gathered around him. Why are you screaming? they asked. He replied that his horse had jumped into the pump. The people hit him and beat him. They thought he was mad. The pump's opening was very small. How could a horse possibly jump into it? Nussin's letters, year one, letter number 197. Everything that happens to us, especially this and every year, is all great hints which force each one of us, wherever he may be, to draw closer to God. The main thing is that from now on, none of us should be remiss about placing his supplication and prayer before God every day no matter who he is. He must not let his thoughts upset him, nor must he become discouraged by his urges, his confused state of mind, and all his distractions. Rather, he must fortify himself in all the ways we have spoken about so much, and especially with the teaching of Azamra. For this holy and extremely awesome pathway must be new for each person every day. By putting this teaching into practice, every person can inspire himself constantly wherever he may be, and can express himself before God very much, or at least a little. And this is the foundation and essence of everything. Now stand up and look to God's salvation. I hope to God that in His great kindness He will soon save us for the sake of His name. He will rescue me and all of us from the hands of our haters and pursuers. He will put down our enemies beneath us, and everything will turn into good soon. Nassim of Breslov. Extend my greetings to all our comrades Nussin's with a great love. Year 2. Letter number 452. With God's help, Sunday, Vayikra, 5604, Breslov. May the Master of Salvation and Comfort save and comfort my dear friend, the learned, illustrious, distinguished, and generous Reb Avraham Ber, may he live. Along with all his children, may they live long. May he raise them amidst joy and satisfaction, 
to good long lives, and may he merit to have more sons and daughters who will live, flourish, and truly do God's will. May they live to a ripe old age, and may they fulfill the verse, Isaiah 4, 2, The fruit of the land will attain greatness and splendor. Amen. May it be his will. You should know, my beloved friend, that last Monday, Torah reading Pekude, I received your letter, which had been delayed in Uman and Tolchin until that day. While I was in Uman, until Erev Rosh Chodesh Adar, it did not reach me. You can understand for yourself what great pleasure I had from your letter. May God allow us to rejoice as much as He has brought us sorrow. Shortly before I arrived here for my journey, I sent you a letter. I addressed it to our friend Reb Abala, may his light shine, as I was terribly grieved over the weakness of his daughter of blessed memory. I knew that she was closer to death than to life, though I did not know the situation exactly. Thus, I addressed Reb Abala, may his light shine, as I wrote there, and also hinted to you that it is forbidden to question the rightness of God's ways. God is righteous, and his judgments are correct. Everything he does is with loving kindness and mercy. But we pray to God that he will add further compassion and great kindness to fulfill, may God Almighty give you compassion, and give the compassion over to us, meaning give us what we consider compassion. See Likutei Moharan 2, 62. May you and all of us thereby merit to raise our sons and daughters to adulthood, to live in wealth and honor and truly do God's will. I will now relate to you the troubles and hardship that have recently taken place in my home. May God have mercy from now on. You have already heard that the beautiful little son of my son, David Svi, may he live, passed away, as I told you in Shireen. This was a great tragedy for him. He is already sickly and a hunchback, and he is poor and destitute. He did not have even a pruta, small coin, of dowry money. All he has is what I, in my own poverty, have given to support him these last nine years. His whole vitality and consolation was this beautiful son of his. But this winter, his heart's joy was taken. May God comfort him. Rabbi Bizna Barzavda, Ravbini, Rabbi Bisa, or Rabbi Bisna, Rabbi Birim, Abba Bira'a, Rabbi Birna, Rabbi Bita Barbizna, Baitos Ben Zunin, Rabbi Baitos, Balvati, Ben Bukhra, Ben Bunim, Bunis Ben Bunis, Ben Tema, Rabbi Bana'a, Rabbi Bana'a Bered Rabbi Ula, Rabbi Bana'a, the brother of Rabbi Chiyabar Abba, Rabbi Banye, Binyamin Hatzadik, Rabbi Binyamin Bar Yefes, Rabbi Binyamin Bar Gidel, Rabbi Binyamin Bar Chia, Rabbi Binyamin Bar Levi, Binyamin Gnivaya, Binyamin Bar Ihi, Binyamin Bar Ashtor, Abba Binyamin, Rabbi Binyamin Asya, Binyamin Avdi the Rav Ashi, Rabbi Batzla, Rabbi Batzalel Barebi, Bardala, Rav Bruna, Rabbi Baroka Chozo'o, Rabbi Berechia, Rabbi Berechia, Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana, Rabbi Berechia, Rabbi Chama Hakohen, Rabbi Berechia, Rabbi Simon, Rabbi Yehoshua Ben Levi, Rabbi Berechia, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Simon, Rabbi Berechia Sava, Rabbi Berechia Butzraya, Rabbi Barkuria, Rabbi Bata Ben Betera. Rabbi Nussin's prayers too. Prayer number thirty-three. 
on Lukutei Moharan 2, 67. A voice of lamentation, of bitter weeping, is heard on high. Rachel weeps for her children. She refuses to be consoled for her children because they are no more. For these I weep. My eye, my eye sheds tears because the consoler who restores my spirit is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Master of the world, Master of the world, teach me how to compose bitter lamentations over the magnitude of our broken state, which has come as a result of our, of our heart straying. The delight of our eyes, the elevation of our strength, the crown of our heads, our splendor, our radiance, our beauty, our life, the length of our days, the root of our souls and our spirits, all have been taken away from us. This refers to our masters, teachers, and rabbis. They are our light, our greatness, our holiness, our hope, our purpose, our consolation, and our joy, our Torah, our prayer. They have gone to their rest and left us to our grief. Woe, what has become of us? What can we say? How shall we speak? Who will compose bitter, doubly bitter lamentations that are fitting for us to lament and weep because of the bitter brokenness that affects each Jew and all worlds from beginning to end. Woe, woe, woe! Master of the world, you know that human hands lack the power to compose proper lamentations over the death of the tzaddikim who passed away in our generations because of our sins. I weep over this, which affects me and the entire Jewish people. This is not a lament for the holy tzaddikim themselves, who passed away and rose very high, because they are ennobled and beautified in the upper worlds, and stand and serve in the heights. Fortunate are they, and fortunate is their portion. But on us, on us, this orphaned and poor generation, it is a very great pity, and all those who are ill grow increasingly ill. Woe to us, for we have been plundered. Hashem, you have overcome us, our hands have grown weak, all knees have collapsed, and every heart melted like water on the day that the sun set at noon. Our heart went astray, horrors terrified us, pangs seized us like those of a woman crying out in childbirth. Our Father in heaven, com- our compassionate Father, Hashem, God who is true, where shall we go? Where shall we turn for help? Who will assist us? Who will stand up for us? Where has our beloved gone? We will search for him together. Today our speech is bitter, our hands heavy from our sighs. Who will make our head water and our eye a source of tears? Then we would weep day and night because we are so broken. Regarding this, our heart has been ill. Our eyes have grown dim for these things. Master of the world, compassionate true father, you know that our lives depend entirely on the tzaddikim, our holy rabbis. May their memory be for a blessing. We need to constantly speak with them and constantly receive new holy words from them and constantly see them. And now, what shall we do? What will we do, we who are of such little worth, like vines on a wall? What will we do? How will we act? Master of the world, Master of the world, only you know the bitterness of my spirit because of all this. Due to my many sins, 
I cannot express my speech clearly to you who are filled with compassion. Master of the world, what has passed is past. Now teach me and show me how to call out, cry and beg, so that even now I will draw their mighty holiness onto myself. Maintaining a connection with the tzaddikim. May I do so by means of the holy impression that they left behind in their holy books and precious students. Now they are more accessible to the world, as it is written in the Zohar and other holy books. The soul attains its essential perfection when even as it rises high, it also remains extremely low. Such a soul can arouse, awaken, and revive all souls, even those lying in the lowest Sha'ol and lower arousing them and reviving them so that they will never give up in any way. Master of the world, have mercy and compassion on the tears and weeping of Rachel, our mother, who represents the Divine Presence and the Congregation of Israel. Crying with a profusion of tears over the magnitude of our sorrow and the troubles of our soul. Rachel weeps for her children who were exiled from their father's table and left their land. She weeps at night, and her tear is upon her cheek. She has no comforter among all of her friends. All of her friends, who are the tzaddikim in every generation, died for our many sins, leaving us alone, like a mast at the top of a mountain and a banner upon a hill. We have become orphans without a father. Our mothers are like widows, with no one to console us. Master of the world, Will you have mercy on us? Who will have mercy on us? Who will have pity on us and nod graciously to us? Who will turn aside to inquire about our well-being? Who will erect a boundary and who will stand in the breach? Who will repair the roads and who will straighten the highways? Who will rectify our souls? Who will bring us back to you in perfect repentance? Who will arouse us from our sleep to truly return to you?